Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Simon Greeny, and he co-founded a company called Elucidat. I would say it's e-learning, but that may actually be short-sighted because it's really much broader than that. It's communications, and it's a lot of different things that the compliance professional needs to be able to master. So, Simon, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, (laughs) first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thanks for having me on the show, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. I was wondering if you could give our listeners a little bit about your professional background. Yeah, sure. So, from leaving college, I've always been in the kind of web industry and using technology to communicate, support, interaction. So I ran an agency for a number of years, which specialized in digital learning. And we design and build bespoke digital learning programs. A lot of those were compliance and really looking for opportunities there to kind of get people to sit up and listen and to think about things differently through really engaging, immersive sort of online learning experiences. So I'm really passionate about the potential that technology can play as a kind of vehicle to communicate support training differently, and that it shouldn't be a kind of a way to replicate something that happens in the real world right now. So in running that agency, I realized that that wasn't a scalable model. So, um, you know, we were essentially a bottleneck and it didn't feel right that we owned a solution after it had been delivered. So a compliance suite training program you know, us having the keys to having to update it in the future. And that just doesn't work. You know, that the world's changing too fast to have an agency owning these kind of solutions. And also seeing that technology in L&D could be quite backwards. So, you know, just six years ago, other, you know, mobile responsiveness was still a big deal for authoring tools like ours. We've always gone ahead to try to keep in line with web trends and engaging in experiences. So primarily the technology, we built it with my co-founders to make scalable online learning, online training, programs at work and putting the learning into e-learning. So we enable large organizations to do that in-house and to train thousands of people. So we've supported 17 million learners and counting, and we enable in-house L&D teams to be able to produce their own online training materials. So in this point of the COVID-19 health crisis, We obviously are past the initial phase uh, where we weren't sure how long we'd be in lockdown. I'm in Texas. We had an initial reopening in May. It turned out that was a little premature. They've had to step back now. And so you're in England and we are all in different phases now of opening or reopening. And one of the things that struck me about not only the business you were in of e-learning, but in communication and the set suite of tools that you use and you advocate for has become much more important and much more significant and much more dynamic. So I wanted to maybe start with what has been the impact of COVID-19 on current e-learning practices, at least as you see them? Yeah. So initially we saw that there's a massive shift away from face-to-face training. It just overnight became impossible to deliver that kind of method. And, you know, we're aware we work with L&D departments in multinational corporations that is often the go-to or has been. Quite surprisingly, despite digital transformations in these corporations, some of the training initiatives are kind of left in a different kind of format. What we did straight away with as the kind of lockdown process hit, hit Europe was to create a free skill-up program. So we saw 
an opportunity to do something for the industry, which was to support all of those face-to-face trainers out there who needed to do things differently and to empower them to become digital program designers. So that program had a massive take-up. We exceeded our expectations. It maxed out our webinar that we were running and really showed there just what difference was different kind of climate that was happening. So we've seen the way that training has to evolve itself. Um, and secondly, we're seeing that organizations in L&D respond to change more quickly than ever now. We've always been passionate about this in our product and enabling fast, easy production of online learning, online training. But recent events have prompted a mindset where that responsiveness has to happen. We have to now respond to compliance changes, rules, updates that are changing every day and communicating those clearly so that employees know where they stand and are felt supported by their organization when they, in their lives, are surrounded by uncertainty and fear of that. Finally, what we're seeing is that through our own data, we've seen that more data has been delivered through this period. So we've seen less people being trained, but more training being delivered to those people. So I think we can explain that a number of ways where people have been put on furlough. They're allowed to train, but not be doing anything else. So there's been an opportunity there to support people, but also a real reskilling and redeployment of people. So people being used in this moment to provide training support for other people in the business when they aren't able to fulfill what they do right now. So we're seeing a load of different things related to the kind of current learning practices, but I think many of those things are going to change now as we see data from Brandon Hall and other analysts showing that the shift to remote working now is probably here to stay at quite a margin. Simon, one of the things or one of my observations during this time period has been that we were seeing changes in 2018-2019 that percolated along that may have portended trends into 2020 and beyond, but that the COVID-19 health crisis has literally accelerated those trends, and they are moving either exponentially faster or sometimes at the speed of light. And it strikes me in listening to you that that your discipline is one of those areas. It's accelerating because of the need for even more bespoke training delivered on a much more robust basis yet accessible as well. And if I could maybe even lay over a couple of other variables for you to consider. Mm -hmm. I'm a baby boomer. You look to be a Gen Xer. My daughter is a Gen Zer. We all consume training differently. She is very comfortable receiving training on a mobile platform. I'm very comfortable in this situation in front of a, uh, a desktop or in live uh, so that the training she receives, she's very happy to receive three, five, 10, maybe 15 minute training on her iPhone. And the regulators are now wanting targeted training. So the training for myself as perhaps a, I'm a lawyer by professional training, the training I would need would be different than the training she would need as a frontline operational person. And perhaps a supervisor would need a different training. How are you able to, and how's Elucidat able to respond to the accelerated exponential change brought on by COVID-19 overlaid with generational differences in how we consume training, plus what the regulators are telling us now? Yeah, I love this question. I think this plays to effectiveness as well of what is being delivered to employees to be effective. Exactly as you say, you know, what are the regulators going to be looking for for ensuring that people have been supported in a way that's relevant and a good use of their time. So technology and people's expectation of it, first of all, in those generations where they are, that is typically how they're interacting with the world around them. It's got to kind of be playing to 
their expectations of that. So um, again, there's some research from Brandon Hall at the moment showing that post-coronavirus lockdown period, you saw big spike in kind of using Zoom, virtual instructor-led training, but then that shifting now towards video, podcasts, e-learning, really surging upwards, upward trends. And that's because, you know, people are using devices, technology in that kind of way and consuming information in that way. And that, that is, for many people, the most appropriate way to do it. But there are other audiences as well, as you say. And I think you've got to really think about the way that these programs are delivered to support the different use cases and understanding their audience and their varying needs. So a philosophy that we kind of underpin our product by is people-centered learning. So we have a philosophy of around six pillars and respecting time is one of those and being personal is another. And that's really about respecting the audience, taking time to understand their individual needs, context and perspectives and designing learning experiences that take those into account and adapting to them. So not a sheep dip experience, but kind of multiple ways to invite someone in and support them in a way that's comfortable and contextually right for them, but also in the, in the format that works for them as well. So, you know, I think that can be quite intimidating for some organizations. It can seem that you're doing really, really complex, complicated program rollouts, but it's really about understanding personas of your audience and breaking up the different needs that they have to provide those multiple ways in. Simon, many of the listeners to this podcast are anti-corruption compliance practitioners. We have a wide variety of other compliance practitioners and business executives. From the U.S. regulatory perspective, the regulators talk about targeted training. So one group of people, one group of employees may need a general understanding of uh, what are the laws against bribery, the UK Bribery Act, the USFCPA, perhaps others. But another group of people may be more on the front lines. They may be the gatekeepers and they may need specific targeted training. How do you work with a client to, does the client bring the list of targeted training people to you or do you work with them to help understand who the targeted groups are and then develop a training regimen for them as opposed to those who may need more general training of what's the law we're under? Good question. So what we our tool enables is a collaborative working environment. So we call it crowdsourcing expertise from the organization. And so that can mean that you bring in experts to share knowledge and it gives them tools to share that in a really compelling way. But it also means that you can then get what I've heard of being called connectors in organizations, people that can take that core piece of learning, um, communication, and adapt it and localize it for those areas of the business. So you may have a kind of a core compliance topic, which is then localized across the business, not localized just by language, although that is one thing we see a lot of, but then by the business that they're in. And I think this comes back to our people-centered philosophy as well. If you're going to use someone's time effectively, you just need to give them what is relevant to them, not everything, not throwing the book at them. So, you know, what, what are you going to extract for these different parts of the business that they need to know? And what we do is then the technology does is to support core messages so that you can adapt, but not replicate everything all of the time. And this is what I was saying earlier about scalable training. How are you breaking something up, but owning and updating the core splitting that out for for different audiences in the process. You've talked about something called the Zoom boom. And how can training scale beyond Zoom if that is going to be our primary communications tool at least the next six months, 12 months, or 18 months? Yeah, so we Zoom has similar limitations to 
sort of face-to-face training practices in that it's very hard to kind of control consistently across an organization and it needs to be rerun and rerun to be useful so what we see is that the kind of the sustainable longer term sort of strategy here and that organizations are moving to is to kind of build the sort of digital online training experiences that can get them through to something which is going to be designed and iterated to really have that effect but have that effect so that it can be rolled out in a consistent way. So we're seeing some really exciting examples now of of organizations such as Whole Foods who are really looking at setting up control groups, but then going out into different regional territories to do A-B testing, check what's working, what's landing, how can you see performance changes or changes to um, business goal and effect to find out what's working and to kind of build on that. It's a way of working that can actually be not only scaled, but kind of lead to a higher quality over time by really pinpointing through data and uh, analysis, you know, what's working out there. Is it having the desired effect on the organization and its record keeping? Simon, the second thing regulators in the United States talk about when it comes to training, first is targeted. The second is effectiveness. It strikes me that what you've just described is a process for determining effectiveness. Would that be a fair assumption? Yeah, I think it's, it's so important, you know, and I think there is a particularly with e-learning in the past, there's a, there's a lack of responsibility for its effectiveness in, in the way that technologies might present themselves. And for us, it's super important that it works. And, you know, that learning, that change happens. And so we invest a lot of R&D into actually looking at the ultimate, kind of the best ways to support shift in thinking and, and understanding about something and an interaction with that to happen. So, you know, we can do that through a tool like ours through data analytics and looking at kind of where are these problem areas that people have? What might you learn culturally about your organization through data and consumption of that material that can tell you about kind of where their heads are at? Where are those gaps? Where are the risks? And and kind of looking at them from the actual learning experiences that people are going through. Is that process auditable? So that if a regulator came in and said, okay, show us the evidence of your effectiveness. Now we want to test that evidence. Would that evidence be testable or auditable if a regulator or even an internal audit function uh, wanted to look at it? Yeah, so we collect data analytics, but we also export through XAPI to platforms such as the LRS. And that really opens up an exciting avenue as, as opposed to the kind of LMS kind of approach that we've kind of perhaps a more traditional approach because it does enable a much higher volume of data and collecting of what's happening that can all be measured back. So you, you can see there, not just what someone's done in its entirety, but how did they get to making a decision? What did they shortcut their way to getting to the right answer? Did they take risks in the learning experience itself? You can start to play the, back those things to look for the trail of what someone's done, how they've made those decisions, not just what the final pass mark was or something that you know might be used. I think that's a really interesting way to to break it down, to start to get to those kind of more nuanced pieces of data, which start to point towards different personality types, different approaches to risk in an organization, which can really be the difference there. Simon, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if listeners wanted more information, where could they go? Yep. So um, we have a website, elucidat, E-L-U-C-I-D-A-T, elucidat.com. So if you go there, we actually give a lot away for free. We've got a lot of materials related to setting up digital learning. We've done the recent skill up. There's a lot of kind of materials on that as well. If you are someone in training right now who are looking to kind of build new skills, 
and you can find out more about me there as well and the work we're doing. So um, please do check that website out. Simon, this has been a fascinating exploration, and I hope as we move into Q3 and 4 and probably now 2021 as well, and we stay kind of in this crisis, I might be able to call upon you again for uh, some advice on where we might be in the future. Please do, yeah. You know, it's changing all the time. We're um, constantly doing our own research and collecting data, so um, I'm sure there'll be a lot more to share in a few months. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review.